Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoops. Corey Perry. Lilia able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Day three of the quarantine, I guess you could call it, <laughs> with the Ducks. And Pat and Jason have been eliminated from the Forever Mighty podcast. So we welcome in the EBA, the emergency backup host. Keith Settles <laughs> has joined the team. How's it going, Keith? Oh, it's going. It's, uh, it's nothing's going. open, but it's going. <laughs> it's it's going. That's yeah. That's the best way to describe it right now. Is it? Yeah. It's just going. It feels like months ago since the season started. And I think it's literally been three days. I mean, we were supposed to hop on a podcast after the Blues game. Yes, and then yes. then Friday and then Saturday, and now we're here on Sunday. But we're we're here. I guess that's what matters. We're it, we're alive. It, <laughs> it feels like the Ducks have played the Blues twice. In two months? Oh, yeah. Wait, they have. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah they, they, they have. And this game yeah. started 1-1, which was interesting. That was weird. That was weird. Um, It was it was crazy. Uh, When the game started, we had to look back and see who scored the first goal for the Ducks because <laughs> uh, it, was, it, it, would, it would be an interesting stat if Adam Henrique was able to score the second goal before he was able to score the first goal. Yeah. And, and we, for everybody, three stars, we had people asking questions, too. They're like, does Henrique get the first goal? Like, does this count? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thought, people thought they found a loophole there. They're like, oh, okay. Henrique technically got the first goal. So I'm just going to vote for Henrique. I don't even know right. how to judge that because I mean, I guess officially he did. He did. And I forgot who scored the blues first goal, 
But uh, Adam Henrique, what if, what if he got traded during the trade deadline? <laughs> How would that affect this game? I, I don't even know. Yeah, I guess he would he would have to still be given the goal. I just don't know how yeah. they would they would judge that for that game because he no longer exists on the team. I got an update. I didn't have the game on right when puck drop or I think right. when puck drop started. So I got an update and I was like, okay, Ivan Barbashev scored. I'm like, great. Ducks are already down one nothing with 30 seconds in. Right. And then I load up my stream and it's like the national anthem. The puck hasn't even dropped yet. So they got me too. I didn't even realize. Wait, you got it. You got a notification that Barbashev got that was from the first game. I I have the score app. So I guess like when they loaded in on their back end to like update their stats, it it counts as a goal for that game, right? So I got an update that Barbashev scored, and I was like, like this is typical Ducks. They they let in a goal thirty seconds. (laughs) I popped the screen. Which it would it would have it wouldn't have been surprising because he had Stolarz in that. So and it was his what it was his first game of this season with the Ducks, not his first NHL. I think his first NHL game came probably with the Flyers. It was yeah yeah. I'm sure he played a couple games there, but his first his first start in general for Anaheim. I don't think he. Maybe he played last year. I don't know. With the Ducks? Yeah. I don't remember. I, don't remember. Uh, I, I do know that he started some no, for the Kevin, Flyers. Kevin Boyle came up last yes, year. Yes, Kevin Boyle did come up. He got the shutout against the Canucks. Yeah, and he well, yeah. He, he's just kind of disappeared. Stolarz is taking yes. over. Uh, well, Stolarz had, had a 9 or 10 game win streak sometime mm-hmm. during with San Diego. Uh, I know that he was kind of slumping a little bit recently, but... Uh, it was a good time for him to get called up because I mean the gulls have been fine. They could they could handle with bowl for a lo- boil for a while. Yeah, yeah. When you have the, I mean, it's like the ducks when you have the tandem, you can handle sending one guy up when you've got yeah. uh, you got Miller and Gibson, and then you got Stolarz right. and and Boyle. But before we get to this Blues game, we're missing one important thing, probably the most important thing that happened all year, is Nick Delorier got a natural <laughs> hat against I was, the Ottawa Senators. I was there. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I almost had to throw it. I almost threw my favorite hat, but it was, it's expensive, so I did not. Yeah, I don't think Dave's in our chat, but Dave's a a, uh, a normal listener for our show, and mm-hmm. he he threw his forever mighty hat onto the ice. Which oh, did he really? I, I appreciate this the the hype for it, but I don't know if we can get you another one, Dave. So <laughs> we're out of, currently out of stock, so you might have to wait a bit. But hopefully, Nick Delorey finds his way to that hat. But I can't. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Like, not only was it a hat trick. It was a natural hat trick, and yep. it was in the first period. Like the yeah, the sense, eleven minutes, eleven some, eleven forty two yeah. into <laughs> the new, the new Timo Solani for the Ducks because Nick Delorier breaks Timo's record of uh, the fastest hat trick yes. in, in history. Right. Which yeah, and I, you know what? We uh, we went down for warmups. Sorry, what? No, I was saying which I can't. I I can't get behind that. Nick Delorier is now the record yep. holder for fastest hat trick for the Ducks. He's he's our new Derek Grant. That's who he is. He's he's oh, going to be the one that steps up in Derek Grant's place. But uh, during warmups, we were uh, I was I was I for some reason I like watching Delorier during warmups. He has some kind of like spunk, I guess. It it's we had a moment one time where he shot the puck and it would have hit my face <laughs> if the glass wasn't there. But uh, I was noticing his shots and he could rip them in the corner. Like he has a rocket shot, and I don't know how long he's been in the league. He's been in the league for the while because he played for a while because he played with Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would like to see him get more chances to be able to shoot because he can pick them. Like he does have a good shot. Yeah. Like it's surprising. Like I know the, the third goal ended up bouncing in off Hoberg yeah. and, and kind of fell behind him, but 
He's ripped a couple one-timers. Yeah. Quite two or three times this year where he yeah. found himself in a nice position in the slot. And Murray came out recently at the hot stove and said, like, nobody on this team can shoot a one-timer. <laughs> I don't know. Nick DeLorean can shoot a pretty good one-timer yes. when he gets a nice chance. So I, I would uh, put his name in, 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 the, in the hat there and say that he's, uh, he's not so bad of a shooter. But nice. It was such a feel-good moment. Like, this season yeah. has been a, a rough one, it's to say the rough. least. Yeah. And, it's been very uh, rough. For for a guy like Nick Delory to get a hat, and did was it this year? Derek Grant got a hat trick too. Was he did, year? but it was on the road. Yeah, wasn't it on the road? Yeah, because his his hat trick was an empty netter. So for the Ducks to have, I think, two hat tricks this year, or two of their hat tricks to be Derek right. Grant and Nick Delory, <laughs> kind of says yeah. it all. But uh, man, like Nick Nick Delory has a game. Nice to see him get going. I mean, just signed yeah. that extension not too long ago with the Ducks. Right. And when we, uh, I think everybody, when we originally signed him, was like, "What's why? Why? Why do we have?" Nick well, didn't Delory we? Didn't we sign him? him? Didn't we sign for the purposes of like the? At least we added the extension in purposes of uh, the Seattle draft. Yeah, that's what Bob Murray said, but I don't know if I'm buying it. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't okay. know if I'm buying it. I. He, he is such like if Randy Carlisle was here, I would say he's such a Randy Carlisle player, but he also is mm. such a Bob Murray player. Like yeah. I know Bob is saying he wants the Ducks to be faster and he's trying to add speed and he's he's you know, he's trying to add to the power play if you look at all his comments after the trade deadline, but he still mm. loves himself a guy who can scrap. Like he loves oh, yeah. to have that guy in the lineup. And I mean it doesn't hurt when you're leading the NHL in fights. Right. <laughs> and then you and that, that's benefit it's benefited us. I mean, yeah. even with our decline, like at least we get some excitement out of this team. At it's least on Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I'll take it. I'll take it. Like he's not gonna be a scorer, but if he can I mean this this fourth line this year before even before Derek Grant got got traded, it was Grant Rowdy right. and Delore, and that was the only right. consistent line the Ducks had pretty right. much all year. Like any night on a nightly basis, if they're all healthy, they're they were going to be together. Yeah. Now it's a bit jumbled because it's Bacchus or Agazino who play between uh, Granton or between Rowney and, and Delorier, but they're still there. Like they're they're the mainstays of this team, yeah. which is which is other than Ryan Getzlaff, like they're the only guys who you can guarantee are going to be in the lineup on a nightly basis. They right they rival Paulson, Moen, and uh, Niedermeyer, right? Uh, bet, that was, yeah. that, was, that was a little joke. Yeah. That was a little joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, they've been good. It. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take they've been anything. good though. I'll take anything like that now, but uh, let's get into. Uh, we're not going to do a full breakdown of this Blues game because it's well, real really quick before awesome. before uh, this uh, Senators game. Miller stood on his head that whole yeah. game. That the period should have been four to three or four to four by the end of it because they Senators had ton of great chances, and for the first time in a long time, it was the Ducks decided to play defense, and they also decided <laughs> to keep the puck out of the net. Yeah, like it, it was it, Bobby Ryan thought he scored a couple goals. I mean, it, it was insane at the end of the first period. Yeah, I, I think uh, they had four. Like you, we mentioned uh, talking a bit before the show, you said that the Sens had like four goals, or the Ducks had four goals on six shots. And I think that six when shots, they got yeah. their fifth, it was like five and eight or five and ten. Like, and the yeah. Sens at that point had fifteen, and it just grew right. from there. And and you know, obviously the the storyline of this game was you know the main one was Nick Deloria getting a hat trick, right? And then I guess even the second story was just how bad the Sens were and the Ducks weren't yeah. at the level. And then lost, yeah. in, lost in the shuffle was Ryan Miller actually had himself a pretty good game. Like he made, I think he, he made a, great a goal game. line save with his glove where he picked yes. it off off the crease. He made a nice stick yep. save 
behind the net to, to stop, uh, I think it was Chris Tierney from scoring. Like, yes. He had a pretty solid game, but when you get a fourth liner like Nick Delore scoring a hat trick and you get the – That's going to be the headline. Town, yeah, the, yeah. Those, those are those are the headlines of the games. Um, and then with this being a back-to-back, it's uh, Anthony Stolarz, like we mentioned earlier. He gets yeah. his first start for the Blues, which is nice to see. Like, you know, you had mentioned he had a, a nice win streak going in San Diego. See? So late in the season, Ducks are not really – there's no chance of them making the playoffs unless no. they go on a run and, and some team absolutely just tanks it. Uh, it. It's nice to see some of the younger guys or some of the guys we don't see too often get a chance to come up and play. And I thought he played pretty good. Like He made some pretty nice saves in that game too. He did. He was he was a little shaky at first, but he got himself into it. He had that. Uh, he had a few big saves just right off the crease, a lot of cross creases that he just decided, hey, I'm going to stretch out and – take this puck. He's six, six. He's a big yeah. boy. So he could, he could reach out and get those pucks. Uh, other than, I mean, other than that, like, you know, it was a good start for at least his first start with the ducks. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been a long time since he's been in any NHL action. So to come in, not only in your first game of the season late in the year, and then to take on the defending Stanley cup champs like that yeah. is, and the yeah. way they play too, like the way they play, does not. It's not a great matchup for the Ducks. The physical no. grinding nature and the way they they kind of just beat you up throughout the entire game. Yeah. So he he kept them in it pretty often. And and you know you look at the first goal, uh, it's through a screen. It's a one timer from Petrangelo and the way he's he's been playing this year. Like there's not much you can do. That probably right. takes a a slight deflection too, where it, it hits something and he doesn't see it cleanly and it takes a bounce into the corner. So it's it's one of those where you can't really blame him the way mm-hmm. you know the way the ducks goaltenders have been this year there's been games where you know it's not a great game for the goaltender i feel like this wasn't one of those games i, I felt like he was he was pretty decent he made the saves when he had to it was also one of those goals where uh he was being screened by his own team there yeah. was a was a raquel and someone else like blocking his view while the blues are to the side you can't really blame him too much for it he's going one way the puck's going the other way yeah, well, typically it's it's Josh Manson. So we, was it Josh it was Manson? Josh Manson on this play. And, <laughs> oh, and he's a big the, boy. <laughs> the best part of watching this play is I, I I think this is on the power play. So Josh Manson skates from his man, who's open for a one timer on the circle, to mm-hmm. get right in the way of the shot. Yeah, <laughs> it was Sil- uh, Silverberg was in front of him. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I understand. Like you know, Josh is a guy who's going to block first before mm-hmm. he, he kind of takes the man. So I understand the thought process there, but I just, I just love how that's kind of Josh Manson's go-to at this time <laughs> of year is to let's, I'll leave this guy open. He's going to shoot <laughs> it and I'll, I'll, I'll screen my own goalie and that's how it's yeah. going to be. But uh, Yanni Hawk and puck. Now yeah. I, I, I gotta, I gotta say something about him because when he first came up and first got signed, I felt like he was going to be number six for, for the year. I was kind of interested to see what he was going to do. I mean, we had our normal guys down there. Holzer was there. Del Zotto was there. Larson was there. But this was like a new, fresh face. And one of those guys, we they, they're coming over from Europe. You never know what you're going to get. And mm-hmm. you're either going to get somebody who can't play or it seems like you're going to get a guy who comes in and, and, and surprises you and does better than you think. And preseason was a rough go for, for Yanni Hockin. But, like, he basically – got himself cut by the way he played during preseason and uh, didn't get a chance until this game, his, his first NHL game for the ducks and uh, not the goal, I guess he would want for, for a first NHL goal, but you'll take yeah. whatever you can get when you, you're not getting too many chances this year and a soft shot on Jake Allen. And uh, this is peak 
Jake Allen from a couple of years ago where it just yeah. sieves right through him. Right. <laughs> it gives gives Yanni Hockenpah his first goal. But nice to see him get one because he's been playing good with Kristen Juice so far. I think it's kind of says something about Allen in that game because Allen had a good game against us. Uh, we, we outshot ourselves from the Senators game. And uh, we had some pretty good chances, and if that's the one that slips in, it's it, that's just the one that slips in. Yeah, that's the way it's going. I mean, <laughs> the way the Ducks were playing in that game, St. Louis is one of those teams that they suffocate you offensively. It mm-hmm. felt like that was going to be the goal that goes in. Uh, I mean, if Jordan Bennington is in that, that probably doesn't go in. So, you know, right. Hawk and Paul will take it, and the Ducks will take it. But it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it's a tough one. It, it's a tough one for Allen to let in. But, man, I, I feel for Hawk and Paul. Like, I, I, I really was hoping that this guy would get a chance to stick around. And uh, he's essentially in a contract year for him where he was just starting to play pretty well. He's playing well with Christian it, Juice. Go ahead. Do you think he sticks around, though? Uh, do you think he sticks around? Oh, man. Uh, I I hope so because the the Ducks have an interesting kind of spot at right-handed D right now where it's it's Josh mm-hmm. Manson. And when Eric Goodbranson comes back, I mean, he's presumably here for at least next season, right, because he's under contract. Yeah, so I believe so. It, yeah, it, it depends on, on what they want to run with is, you know, you've got Jakob Larson and, and we've kind of got the book on him now. He's still young, but mm-hmm. he's very inconsistent. And then you've got Josh Mahara coming up who you want to give a spot to, but are you going to play him on his off wing and you want to play him with right. Jakob Larson? I, I think he could earn – I think he could earn another contract, but I feel like it's probably another two-way. Like, he is a guy mm. who starts in San Diego, and if the Ducks have injury troubles just like this year, he comes up. But I think yeah. he at least deserves another shot. Like, he's looked good. He's looked good in San Diego. He, he, it's a guy that needs to, after playing in Europe for, I think, almost seven years, needs to take some time to adjust to the North American style again. And, you know, you you can take a shot on those guys where you give him another year at, at league minimum and hope that he, he can actually – work his way into being a regular NHL guy. Yeah, I could see that. There's a lot of people down in San Diego, though, a lot of defensemen that could possibly take that spot whenever someone's hurt. And, and it kind of might not got called up yet. That's, I've been wondering that, too, because, I mean, <laughs> he made the all-star game. Are they just worried about calling him up and having him send him having to send him back down? I, I, I that's my that's my thoughts. But like, because you have to send him back down, he's got to go through waivers. Yeah. And that's that's maybe they're worried about losing him. But at maybe. some point, like, well, he got called up once, didn't he? I don't he remember. I know that he did a preseason game or a couple preseason yeah. games, but I don't remember seeing him in the lineup during the season. Yeah, he's he's been a guy that pretty much all year we've been looking at what he's done in San Diego. And we're like, how is this guy with all these injuries, how is he not getting called up? He's a right-handed shot. Mm-hmm. He's an offensive-minded defenseman. Like, and he's ripping shots, too. He's yeah. ripping shots down at San Diego. It's not like, how old is he? Like 35, 36 or something like that? And no, Weidman, he's like 29. He? I think he's like 29. Is he? He's not. Like, this isn't Dennis Weidman. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is, this well, is I still, Dennis Weidman. Yeah. Still making me feel old. <laughs> I, I, I but, thought the same thing. We, were tra- we thought he was, uh, I think uh, Jason thought he was Dennis Weidman for the longest time. But uh, he's 30. He turned 30 in January. Wow. So he's not even that old. And he's, he's play, like, he played like five straight years in the NHL yeah. with Ottawa and Florida. Yeah. Well, I knew his – I don't remember Dennis Weidman, actually. I, th- I just, You know, it's one of those things where you get older with – you age with these players. I forget that Adam Henrique's younger than I am because right? yeah. I feel like he would be 40. <laughs> it's tough when you watch all these young guys come in. Like Trevor Zegers, if he was to play this yeah. year, he's 18 years old. 
and she's born after the year 2000 he's like a 2002 birthday and it's yeah it's it's brutal like you look at these guys getting drafted this year they're like oh three birthdays I, I look at warm-ups. I look at warm-ups and I'm like, the only two people that are older than me are Getzoff and Miller. I, I don't know how what, – what's what's his, Jeremy Collison for the Blackhawks mm-hmm. does it. He's 35 and he's behind the bench. Like, Duncan Keith is older than him and you're, you're his head coach. Like, you're literally <laughs> barely older than any of these guys on the team. You've got a player on your team who's older than you. Like, how do you – Yeah. How do you, how do you coach that? Locker room? <laughs> how yeah. do you say anything to Duncan Keith? And he's a year right. older than you. I don't know how that, but hey, I mean they've done they've done surprisingly well as a team this yeah. year. I, I thought the Blackhawks were gonna be horrible. Uh let's yeah, let's sum up this game because there's yeah, it's it's not much going on. The the Ducks lose this game. Sanford <laughs> scores a, a rebound goal, Petrangelo gets an empty netter. The Ducks have their chances. I think Jake Allen played a, a decently strong game after that yeah. that hack and paw goal. Not uh, not too many chances, but you know, for for a game where you're playing the one of the best teams in the league, defending Stanley Cup champs, and they're relatively healthy, other than Vladimir Tarasenko being out, with the way that the Ducks' injury problems are going right now, especially on the blue line, it's it's a pretty good game. Like I I'm pretty impressed with the way they've been competing against some of these teams over that, yeah. that stretch since the trade deadline. I agree. The speed is there. Like you could see it. Like mm-hmm. when you see Sonny Milano pick up the puck, he's gone. Uh, it's not like it's, it feels like we haven't even lost Kasha really, except the score, like goal scoring. Uh, you see Heinen, Heinen's doing pretty good. I mean, we have the, the trade line really did benefit this team a lot. And I wonder what this team would have been like if we had those players at the beginning of the season, there would be like those growing pains, of course, but I feel like this is a strong team that we have right now. David Backus, I mean, we didn't even talk about him. He had a great game yeah. against the Senators, too. Uh, it, it's just a wonder what this team would have been like if we did all these moves before the season started. Who's your favorite guy from that we got up from the deadline? I mean, I was at the game when Sonny Milano scored the the first goal and the game winner, <laughs> so that's kind of easy. But I've liked I like I've I've liked Heinen a lot too. Uh, I, a friend of mine, he gives me crap, or I give him. crap crap because he's a big Richie fan and uh Heinen he's just going above and beyond what Richie was doing other than getting bad penalties in which Heinen's gotten a couple of that too but um you know getting points that's all that, that's what this team needed is getting points and now we need to pull the defense together so Gibson could actually make saves yeah no I I mean I I thought you know Sonny Lionel had my vote right off the bat before any game mm-hmm. started just because the fact that you got something for Devin Shore and yeah. he turned out to be like a guy who's 23 and a former yep. first round pick. And and the, like we had speculated before the trade deadline, me and Jason did a show where if you get a fifth round pick for Devin Shore, that's a win. And then mm-hmm. they ended up getting Sonny Milano for him. So he was my favorite right off the bat. And then he got the, the first two goals in, in his first game for the Ducks. Yes. And it was going to be hard to bump him off. But I really like Christian Juice. And, and pretty much every game yes. he's played in, he's been yes. impressive. Like with all the guys out, He's been he like he's made himself the go-to guy. Like he's mm-hmm. basically won himself a spot on this team next year. And and within like I don't know how many games he's played. I think he's played ten games. Larson's been here all year, and Juice beat him out in like yep. ten games with the Ducks. And he beat out Delzato and he beat out Hockenpah. And you now he's verging on beating out Josh Manson the way he's playing. Like yes. I know it's it's a different style of game, but like he's put himself easily at the top of conversation. To, mm-hmm. I think he he needs a contract, but to at least get a contract and then also play a big role for the Ducks next year, like right. 
out of the gate, he's he's been the guy, but all of them have been good. Like Danton Heinen has, I think, been just as good as Nick Ritchie offensively, but then he adds mm-hmm. a bit more discipline to his game. Sonny yes. Milano has that explosiveness where he can kind of take a game over, take a shift over. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned David Backus too, where if he's fully yeah. healthy and, and he can just be a reliable guy. Like And, and yes. don't discount the, the fact he, you know, what impact he can have in the locker room too. Like just hearing this guy speak, he's clearly a leader like just mm-hmm. i will listen i would listen to david Backus speak for hours like right <laughs> the interviews he does at, at post game or in the middle of a game are always ones that you, you kind of listen to him like this guy can have an, a, a big effect on a young locker room and he did i mean he could pass the puck still and he's still gritty yeah. he, he i think he got a couple of big hits against the blues on wednesday night and uh, I mean, when the or Tuesday when he played the Senators, like yeah, he had those assists. I thought he was going to score a goal because he had a couple chances that game too. Uh, I do agree with Christian Juice. Uh, he uh, he's really good at getting the puck out of the zone, and that's something that we've needed not even just this season for years. Yeah. I know Fowler has been like the quarterback at that, but also think about it. Christian Juice was the defenseman for the second line on the Capitals' power play. This year he got demoted because, I mean, they picked up some defensemen. But just think of what he could do just with that experience he's had with Ovechkin. Just trying to get the puck to that that spot where we could get one-timers anywhere on other side. only we had a guy who could shoot the puck. Only we had a shot the puck. Only we had an Ovechkin on our team. We had a guy who could shoot a one-timer because Bob Murray thinks we don't have any which I, I can't argue that we don't really have a guy it's it's hard to think that we do because we see that we get there's times when those passes are spot on and then you see ricky he'll whiff it silverberg i mean he could rip it but he doesn't he he whiffs one timers too uh we, we we need someone that could take that shot and i don't know who that is right now to be honest i don't think we have anybody like we talked last year Getzlaff could be that guy, but he's never going to be that guy because yeah. he just doesn't shoot the puck. And, and then we said maybe, maybe Montour could be that guy because he had a pretty good shot, but yeah. the Ducks just never utilized him that way. And then, like, Silverberg has a great shot, but he's got a great snapshot. He's got yes. a great snapshot and a great right. wrist shot. He never really seen him pump a one-timer. Maybe he has one, but that's just not his go-to. Yeah. And then you, you keep – from there, you keep going down the lineup like, Raquel's not really that guy, and, and then you're getting into the weeds on, on, on really anybody that's going to do anything for you. And then you just start to realize the Ducks don't really have that guy. They don't have no. the shooter. They don't have the Stamkos or the Ovechkin or, or what Patterson does on the power play for Vancouver. Like They just don't have that one-time threat. They have the chance to get it in the draft this year with, with some of the guys. And there we've got uh, one of our, our members in the chat here just hyping up uh, Alexander Holtz <laughs> and being the guy the Ducks could go to in the draft. But he is uh, he is a shooter of all shooters if the Ducks go in and try and get him this year. But, uh, I mean, I could just think of Trevor Zegras feeding a, a guy who could rely yeah. on the puck on the power play for years. That's the thing. We, we nice. need that shooter because we're about to get another good passer. Like, we're about to get an, another amazing passer, someone that's like Getzloff. Zegras, I mean, he could he could turn water into wine. That's just, not a Christian Juice joke. I haven't been this, <laughs> haven't been this excited for a Ducks prospect <laughs> in a long time. Like just yeah, I same here. Just the the ability that Trevor Zegers has, and I've been watching him all year with Boston University, and he's 18 years old playing against some of these guys. And then you look at you know yeah. we all watched him 
at the World Juniors and what he did for for yeah. Team USA. He literally started as a fourth line player for them, and and you know, just the the plays he was making and the fact that all his assists were primary assists. And you, you think of going from Getzlaff to a guy like that, right. the, the the luxury of having you know one of the best passers in the game for for over a decade, and then you go right yep. into potentially having a guy who could also be that. You just right. need a shooter, like we. Corey, you need another Corey Perry. You need a guy who can yeah. shoot the puck to, to put with him and, and you know, maybe more of a, a new age uh, shooter than what Corey Perry was. But the the Ducks just need that guy and, and you know, the way they're going to get him this year is through the draft. And, and that's kind of all been thrown mm-hmm. in limbo with uh, with this whole situation, with the NHL suspending the season now. I mean, it, it makes sense. They had to. Uh, right. But it, it throws not only the playoff situation into limbo, but what – the, like what the draft lottery is going to look like. The draft lottery, I think, was supposed to be April 9th or April 16th or something yeah. around then. And now if there's no season, like the NHL has to make a decision on what they're going to do for the playoffs before then. Because you can't yeah. host the draft lottery and then say, oh, well, let's say in, in the worst case scenario, I think Minnesota's out of the playoffs right now. They're like 15th mm-hmm. seed they somehow win the draft lottery and then in a, in a month's time the season kicks back up and you say all right everybody who was within a shot of making the playoffs you're in so minnesota's in after winning the draft lottery like that's a nightmare scenario but right. they have to have that decided soon like there's no way they go into april and say all right we don't know what we're doing with the playoffs yet but we're going to host the draft lottery it's going to be a crazy few months it's going to be an absolute crazy few months cuz what if they just keep the season started like just restart from where we're at yeah, that'd be that'd be insane. You have to have some time to play games if yeah. you're going to do that, right? Like the, the all the scenarios have been put around. Like none of them have been confirmed by the NHL. They're all pretty much like you know media guys looking to to find something to talk mm-hmm. about in a time where there's literally no sports whatsoever. So I think Darren Dreger on on TSN Radio the other day was talking about a bunch of different scenarios that players have kind of proposed or different executive teams have talked about and they they range anywhere from you know one player saying let's have all 31 teams play in some sort of march madness type tournament to well we'll rank it by points percentage and we'll have you know the top 16 teams from points percentage get in or any team who wasn't mathematically eliminated will have that as the playoffs like there's there's no concrete way to deal with this because it's never happened well, add a you know all I need to do is just add a uh, gambling to it and perfect brackets <laughs> and uh, that yeah it would work except there's 31 teams so who gets the buy? Um, I had a question for you though. Um, I know we have to move on, but regarding Trevor Zegers, yeah. do you think if the season does get restart from where it's at uh, since the NCAA they're not coming back? Uh, do you think that would give Zegers some? Do you think Zegers will end up maybe playing some games? First of all, there is no structure to this show, so we, we, ah, can, that's, we, that's can, what I, we can bounce around and go back and talk about whatever we want. But Trevor Zegris, there is a chance he could come and play. Um, what does he want to do? Do you know? When we, we talked to him at the beginning of the year, uh, before he started the season, we had him on the podcast for an interview, and, and he mm. had said the goal for him is to go pro at the end okay. of the year. Like He wants to go pro. But he'll see how the season goes. And it's one of those answers you kind of typical answers from from professional athletes like, right, you know, I want to do this, but anything could happen. And he said, you know, we'll see how the season goes with BU. And, you know, up until the other day, before all this happened and before his Hockey East tournament got canceled, I was 100 percent certain he would 
play that tournament, depending on however it went with Boston University, he would sign, come pro, that's it. No questions mm -hmm. asked. I have, and, and I don't have anything, any evidence to say that's changed. Just the fact that now he doesn't get that chance right. to play in the playoffs with his team to, to try yeah. and have a shot. I mean, they're not a great team. They're a 16 team, but to have that shot, at least to go for a national championship, he doesn't have that now. And yeah. maybe that, you know, I'm just a bit worried that maybe that changes his decision-making process where he, now he thinks like, man, I didn't get that shot with Boston university. Maybe I go back another year. We'll have to see what he does. I mean, his one of his best friends, Alex Turcotte, just signed an entry level contract with the the LA Kings, and that yeah. kicks in kicks in next year. So I don't think even if the, the season resumes, the Kings don't have any plans of playing Turcotte in the NHL. They're going to send him down to Ontario. Yeah, but I, I think the Ducks could be a different team in in that sense. Where I think if he signs, I think they might have plans to play him with the Ducks this year, similar to what Quinn Hughes did with Vancouver last year. Right, I, right, I'd right, and Kill McCarr too. Yeah, yeah. Kel McCarr came in in the, in the playoffs, which was yeah. uh, the crazy thing. But the, the the Ducks have kind of been all over the board with this. They really have never had a NCAA player of that caliber where they've had to sign him after one year and brought him. Like the, all their all their best players have usually come from either overseas or the mm. or the Canadian Hockey League, where there's kind of strict rules in terms of when and, and where you can bring them over. The Canadian Hockey League, you have to wait, you know, until their fourth season or until they're twenty to bring them over. Like, look at what we had to do with Comtois and mm -hmm. and, and the, the kind of the, the hoops we had to go through with that. Uh, and then overseas, they can come over at any time, but you really wait until they're ready. And a lot of times, they like, especially the Swedish players, like to stay at home as long as they can before they right. come over. So, with him, it, it's just a completely new situation for the Ducks that we really haven't seen before, where. You know, they can sign him at any time, but that means he can't go back to NCAA because he's a pro now. So Right, right. That's true. Yeah. And, and you know, all, all signs point to, I think Bob Murray talked about at the hot stove event that he recently talked to Zegris's agent and they still want to go pro this year. So I think no matter what, he's going to go pro. I'm just a bit worried with, with the way his season ended. Like that's a disappointing end to anybody's season. But when you're a freshman and, you know, you spent a whole year in NCAA and now you're making a decision that impacts your your choice or your options to go back, maybe that weighs in a bit. And, and you know, you, you didn't get to do what you wanted to, or you at least didn't even get a chance to do anything in the playoffs. And maybe you decide to go back for another year. Right. That's a good answer. I, I would love to see who he plays with. I doubt they put him with Getzloff because yeah. that'd be <laughs> that wouldn't be productive. Uh, but I would love to see maybe him put him with uh, Silverberg or put him with Raquel. Uh, kind of take that playmaker um, yeah. style that Raquel tries to have because he he tries to have a playmaker style, but he gives up the puck a lot. I would like to see him shoot more, and I think Trevor Zegers could possibly be that playmaker that could put the puck on Raquel's stick. What we've seen from the Ducks, too, is whenever they have a center that they've drafted that they think can play center, They've mm -hmm. only brought them into the fold as a center. They they don't mm -hmm. typically play uh, centers from the draft on the wing to start. Raquel came into right. to the Ducks as a center, and it didn't work right. out, so they moved him to the wing. William Carlson, they played him at center. He stayed a center yeah. now for his whole career. But you know Sam Steele, they brought him in. I had concerns he wouldn't be able to play center. He's proved me wrong, but they brought him in as a center. Isaac Lindstrom surprised everybody out of the draft 
to to actually play some games with the Ducks before he got sent back, and they right. played him at center as a 18 year old coming out of mm-hmm. a, as a late first round pick. So I, I think if Zay, if Trevor Zegers was to come in and play this year, the Ducks would have plans to play him at center. My only right. concerns with that is is how do you put him at center over Getzlaff? You don't, or and no, you don't. You don't. You don't move Steele to the wing because they've rarely ever done that. Yeah, um, you don't move Henrik either. Yeah, you, you you could. I think if anybody was going to move to the wing, it's Henrik because he has been okay. in the wing with with Getzlaff. But you you probably That's don't want to do that the way he's been playing. Right. So then, do you play him with Delorean and Rowney? Is that beneficial? Like that's. I think that's where the question becomes, and, and you know, the Ducks could <clears throat> prove everybody wrong, right? Like they could. Well, with with the way Delaria is shooting the puck, yeah, why not? Right? <laughs> He's the only guy who can get a one timer off. So let's it's true. Play, yeah, let's play Trevor Zegers with him. But <laughs> the, the Ducks could prove me wrong, and they could sign him yeah. and play him on the wing, and just say, "Hey, it's five games. We're going to play him on the wing because we have so many centers right now." Yeah. Uh, but uh, just going off what they've done in the past, I feel like if they think he's going to be a center at the NHL level, which I believe they do, they're going to want to play him at center. So we'll have to, right. to see what kind of shifts around and who he could play with. Maybe it's as simple as he jumps into Henrik's spot with Raquel and Silverberg, and then Henrik gets moved to you know the wing with Getzlaff, and then maybe you decide where you want you know, Danton Heinen or Sonny Milano, and then that shifts right, right. Jones to a different role, or Kiefer Sherwood got sent down, right? So it could be yeah. as simple as, you know, Zegras comes in and in, in center and and, and uh Henry goes down and plays with, with uh Jones and Steele and plays on the right wing. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's there's plenty of options. The Ducks have you know, the, the the good thing about that this team this year is they have some guys who can kind of move from center to wing or from wing to center yeah. and from left wing to right wing where they have that flexibility that they can kind of bring guys up and move guys around. So, I you know, I think I think if they sign him, I hope he's, he plays some games in the NHL. Like that's been my hope all year is that, you know, mid to late March, if the season was actually going as planned, he would get at least, you know, four or five games in. Uh, coming like Troy Terry did where I know yeah. Terry only played one game. You're right. But, to at least come in and get a get a look of what he's going to look like. I don't want to wait until next year selfishly. Right. Like I just I don't want to wait. And and even if it's with the goals too. Like I just want to see him outside of the NCAA level and playing in you know either the AHL or the NHL and and just seeing mm-hmm. how everything translates over. Like there's yeah. concerns about size and and build. Like you think right now he's five eleven, one hundred and sixty seven pounds. Like he's that. a kid. Yeah, he, he's yeah, exactly. He's he's a small-ish kid right now, and yeah. But I I also had those same concerns about Elias Pettersson coming over, like literally a twig coming over from Sweden, and he came in and proved everybody wrong. I thought one mm-hmm. hit by a big guy, and he's going to be annihilated. Like he's going to be glass, and he's going to break. That didn't happen, and it didn't happen. <laughs> he, he just was too skilled. Yeah, he made guys miss, and and that's where you get smaller guys like Johnny Goodrow and Mitch Marner right. and Elias Pettersson, where they're so skilled they just make guys miss. Yeah. And if anybody could do that, it's Trevor Zegras. Like the skill yeah. level he has, he'll just make guys miss. He's just that skilled. He'll just he'll get the puck around you. He'll do something. He'll do some kind of quick quick move with his with his skates with the stick, and and he's gone. And you, you yeah. don't even know what happened. Like he he'll be past you. So I I have no concerns about the skill level translating. I'm just a bit worried about maybe the size not being there yet. Like I think he needs a full off season or a full, even a full season training at a pro level. 
you know, playing with the goals or being up with the ducks and, and kind of experiencing what that's like and, and that workload and, and kind of getting with those guys. And, and I think that will help. Like, you know, he'll, he'll be a guy that eventually, once he fully develops, he'll be a big enough guy that you don't have to worry about his size. Like, he's not a small guy. He's just a kid, like you said. Like, he yeah. just he's built like a kid still. He just needs to get kind of going at that pro level. All right, Keith, before I get your answer, let's head into the break with a word from our sponsor. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. Yeah, Terry. Terry. I mean, Terry was built like that when he first started too. Yeah. So, and and I mean, he's back down in San Diego now, but we'll, we're not all blessed I, to be Max Jones and yeah, right? absolutely ripped and just look like a, a man out yeah. coming out of right. junior, right? So, right. It's uh, yeah, and Terry still has a long way to go too. Like, yeah. He's, he's getting there. He's getting stronger. He's a bit more of a, a smaller guy, but um, you know, one, the one guy, the one kind of player I always go to for this, who go went to go through this type of transformation and turn from like a scrawny kid out of the draft to just like an absolute monster is Nathan McKinnon. Like you look at Nathan McKinnon coming out of the draft and he was like yeah. probably like 170 pounds soaking wet. And he was like a skinny, a skinny lanky kid. And then you look at him now and he's, like he's built like a truck. Yeah, yeah. He's built like a truck. And, and like that, that change like happened like one season, he can't, like I think a sophomore season, he came out, didn't have the greatest year, didn't live up to rookie expectations. You look at him and he comes into like his third year and he looks like he put on like 20 pounds of muscle and just looks like a completely different guy. And now you look at him and like, there's no stopping him. Like the speed's there, but now the size and the physicality is there. Not to say that Trevor Zegras is going to become that type of guy. Right. And he's a bit smaller of a guy in, in terms of size, but there that change will happen and, and it will take some time. And you'll see it with guys like Sam Steele too, where you know he's still a bit of a smaller guy, but you know, a couple seasons from now, he'll get kind of used to that regimen, building some size, and, and then he'll be a different type of player as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, totally. All right. We have to talk about the NHL suspending the season. I don't want to get, you know, somebody tweeted us and said, don't get political. Well, don't, we're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to get political, but we got to talk about what will happen uh, to the NHL, to the playoff structure, how, how it could kind of go. I, I'm interested to see just off the top of your head, if you kind of had to pick like a dream scenario for how this could go. Um, let's just say the, you don't have any time to play any regular season games. It has to go straight into playoffs. Like how do you how do you approach that? Like who gets in, who doesn't? How do you even decide that? Yeah, it's rough because you don't want to say the top 16 teams go because not all teams have played the same amount of games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we got like 61 games now and other teams are probably around 60, 59 games left. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah it, it's like I think there was an article today it said it's like seven teams are at 71 games. Uh, or 71, are, yeah, yeah, 10 are at 78 or at 69, and, and the rest are at 68. So, mm-hmm. 
And 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 those are determining wild card spots right now. Like the Jets have seventy right. games played, but and they're only one point up on Vancouver and Nashville and Winni- and Minnesota, who have two games in hand on them. Like you can't you can't say, oh, we're all, you're getting in, and sorry, Nashville and Minnesota, you those two games in hand don't matter. You're out. Right, and I mean, I like the idea of doing a bracket. Uh, maybe the President's Trophy team gets a bye, and then. You just do one-offs up until you get to the 16, and then you don't really split West and East. You get like the actual top 16. Uh, I think that would be interesting. See how many teams from the East get in there and see how many teams in the West get there. Yeah. Um, I'd also I, – I was kind of a fan. I was. Now I'm thinking about it. It would kind of take the, the luster out of the, the first round. But if you make the first round best of five or you make the first okay. two rounds best of five, kind of speed that up. Um, but, but yeah, it would take out the, the, the best part about the playoffs is the first round, getting those seven yeah. games out of each division, out of each series. Well, yeah, um, and, and watching like Ottawa versus Tampa Bay would just be, pointless. yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be rough. That, that's why like a five, uh, best of five series probably would be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, you want like an MLB approach to it where like, yeah, a, there's yeah. like a wild card game. So that's a mm-hmm. one. And then the next is a best of three. And then you're at a best of seven eventually when you get yeah. close farther on. I think that would be fun. Um, I don't know how – I really don't know. This is why you know Gary Bettman doesn't put me in charge of scheduling, even though <laughs> I'd love for him to. Uh, it, it's rough because if every team had the same amount of games played, you could end the season now. That's easy. Yeah. But since you don't have that and since the way that the NHL does points, it that may, I think that makes it maybe a little more difficult, the fact that you do like – you get like two points for a win and you get one point for an overtime loss. That kind of screws things up too. If you just went wins losses, maybe it, maybe it'd help, but it's rough because the NHL doesn't have a good play. I mean, they have a reasonably okay playoff. It's all right. It depends. <laughs> it depends on, it didn't work the way that they wanted it to. Yeah. It got the ducks and Kings once. And then after that, it's just whatever. Um, but you know they're yeah. upset because it was trending to like be actually like the first time it worked out in multiple cases. This yes. year. like the Flyers right. were playing the Penguins, the, the cat, and the, Oilers. The Oilers were supposed to play the Flames. Yeah, yeah. Like and and I think uh, well, no, Toronto and Boston were going to play, but then Boston pulled ahead of, of Tampa. But it, like yeah. the most in in at least two instances, like it's always those two three matchups that they're hoping turn into right. those rivalries, and then maybe you get lucky with the wild card. Right. But they had two of four that were going to be like old time hockey rivalries right. where you get like the, the there's almost no better historical rivalries than Edmonton and Calgary and Philly and Pittsburgh. Like those are right. two of the, the two of the ones, especially with the way Edmonton and Calgary went this this year, where mm-hmm. like that hatred is back. Like it normally doesn't work out and you don't get teams who hate each other playing like how often do we have ducks and flames? Where eventually it turned into a rivalry because of it. Right. But it, it wasn't one we wanted to continue seeing. And, and that's the problem with this format is like teams don't really change in their skill level over like a three or four year ba- time period where the Ducks and the Flames were just you – know, the Ducks were the, one of the best teams in the, in, the, in the division and then the Flames mm-hmm. were that team that kind of hung around the wild card and it just so happened every year they played each other because they didn't get any right. better. And then San Jose and, and, uh, and L.A. just always came up short of, of Anaheim, so they always played each other in the first round right. too. Right. And it, it was one of those things the Ducks the Ducks probably have benefited from this 
quite a bit because they entered that first round, which is usually a one eight round, no matter what, like you're going to face probably the worst team. But when you get into that second round, I mean, you're going to play the sharks you're gonna play the Kings. You're going to play that one year. We had the flames. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a really good game. So it depends. It, like the fairness of that play. And we don't have to really talk about that right now because it, I could go on for a couple days about it, but in regards to how the playoffs should be formatted this year, I would like to see the season actually end. Like I would like to see an actual finale to the season, but if not, maybe you have to have those teams that aren't necessarily playoff teams and just throw them in there and do those one-off games or do that wild card type thing that, you know, the, that baseball does. Yeah. I I think one idea proposed by somebody at the athletic I, I can't remember who it was but it was just take the standings now if, if you can't play any games and put them in based on winning percentage I, I think that's probably the fairest way to do it but there are still teams mm-hmm. that kind of lose out on that because the teams yeah. like winnipeg who have played more games than anybody they played 70 games in that western conference they actually end up losing out in that they missed the playoffs based off having a 0.001 less winning percentage than what the flames have it's like the flames mm. had a 5, 0.564 winning percentage and the jets have a 0.563 winning percentage yeah so you know like most teams will be okay with it i would think but then if you're the jets you're like well what if Calgary lost both of those games or what if Vancouver right. loses both of those games? And there's, there's no clean way of doing this. If you can't play regular season games, like you, yeah, need, I, the you season need. needs to end. The season needs to end and you just shorten the amount of games that you play per series. It might take, it, it could make the playoffs more exciting. It could take away the, the, the lust, like the, everything, like the good things about the playoffs, but uh, I guess it's just going to depend on how you want to look at it. Uh, but I, I feel like you have to finish the season. Like there's, there just doesn't yeah. feel like you could actually go into it with, it's just too complicated right now. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, and even if you do that, like there's still complications. Like we can, unless you play a full 82 game series, like you could poke mm-hmm. holes in, in how complicated it would be pretty much anywhere. Like, like let's say they only can play enough games to get to 71. How do you right. decide? who plays St. Louis and who plays LA or who plays right. San Jose. And, right. you know, if, if Calgary gets to play against two teams out of the playoffs and Vancouver has to play two teams in the playoffs, how do you decide what's fair? Because you can't just go with the next two games on each team's schedule because likely right. that's going to lead to somebody playing 72 games instead of 71. Right. And, and there's no clean way of doing it. it. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I think, games have to be played and then they'll have to reschedule them and figure out what's the fairest way of finding who plays who and, and make take travel into consideration and everything like that. Like mm-hmm. it, the, the only way this cleanly ends is playing the rest of the season, playing 82 yes. games. And and if, if to do that, that means the first round is a three game series and the second round is a five game series. And then the final two or seven game series, I would take yeah. that over anything. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be I really don't see fun. why it would be any 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 different from what it is now. I mean, that honestly might be might be better than what we currently well, have. You won't have Columbus sweeping the Lightning. That's what yeah. you won't have. Yeah, you'll, you'll, no, exactly. You'll have like a really bad team, like get two wins over the top team, and then but no one could give you as much crap as the Lightning get. Yeah, and and you know, long term, the NHL would never do that because you're cutting yeah. out you know a bunch of gate revenue right. for these teams. Yeah. 
But at least for this year, like, I would love to see a first round three game series between yeah, be know, any of these teams. Like if we would all love to see seven games of Calgary and Edmonton, but if it, if it goes to three games, it's still an intense three game period. And mm-hmm. potentially it's only two if, if somebody wins both. Right. But some, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to have to sacrifice something, whether it be yeah. the amount of playoff games played or the amount of games we play for the rest of the regular season or determining who gets in and who gets out of the playoffs. Like something something has to give somewhere because there's no way they're going to be able to play 82 games and then play four seven-game series. There's just right. – I don't think there's any way we, we get back to that unless this started – you know, before the end of March, then you probably could do that and just push the playoffs back into late June, early July. Right, uh, right, right. But other well, than that, you can't. The NHL, didn't the NHL ask the the owners to try to extend their arenas till July? Yeah, they did. But then I brought this up on the show today, and I'm sure the NHL could just say, well, we'll change the rules and it won't matter. But mm-hmm. how does that, like, if they push playoffs back into to, to July, and let's say it's, like, early July, and the Stanley Cup Finals are, like, the first week of July. Right. And it's whoever versus whoever, game seven, Buddy scores a goal, but he's a unrestricted free agent, technically. Right? It's oh, yeah. That's, that's like, right. That's right. Like, I'm sure the NHL could change the rules a bit and, and right. push it back, but, like, at least just from my minimal knowledge of, of contracts, I would think that like on this guy's contract, he's a unrestricted free agent after July <laughs> one, like it's written on there. He doesn't get paid by anybody after July one. What if he comes in and whoever this is for whatever team scores the, uh, at any important goal, but imagine it's the Stanley cup winner. Yeah. And you know, all teams of course, at this point would have agreed that it's fine. We'll, we'll push the, the rules here a bit, but that still becomes a bit controversial if he's technically on his contract and unrestricted free agent and he's scored a goal after July one. That's true. I didn't even think about that. You know, just think, Oh, I'm on a, I'm an unrestricted free agent. It's <laughs> July 1st. I'm going to get signed by the LA Kings, but I'm still in the playoffs. Or you yeah. score a goal for the one team that wins the cup and then you get signed by the other team. <laughs> oh, just trade the jersey right there. Just yeah. lift the cup and then Keep walk the to ring. the next dressing Keep the ring, yeah. but you, you, trade, you can <laughs> trade the jersey away. So Del Zotto had to do. <laughs> oh, man. Did he get a ring? Did he actually get a ring? I believe so. Oh, man. I might be wrong, but yeah, Del Zotto probably got it. And friend of mine, this is a lot of topic, he says Jared Bull would have uh, saved this team. It would have saved this. Yeah, Jared yeah, Bull and Nick Delorier. Yeah, Jared Bull, Nick Delorier. Think about that fourth line. <laughs> oh man, I, we who would I mean, like if we were going pure, pure fighting? I guess let's say just Ducks history because you could pick yeah. anybody. Stu like, Grimson. <laughs> did he play center? Or we could push him. Oh no, I, I think he might have played wing. Let's be honest. I don't remember out there with Bull and Delorier. You're not trying to win faceoffs, so we'll put Stu Grimson, <laughs> we'll put Stu Grimson down the middle. <laughs> and man, that would be I wouldn't want to face that line. I mean yeah, like that's all time not a mean guy yeah. though. Delorey's not a mean guy and Jared Bull wasn't no. a mean guy. Like Stu Grimson was a was a mean guy. Like he was he would he was out to kill every time he was out there. And God rest his soul, Todd Ewan too. Man, yeah. They I've I watched Defenders of the Pond probably like until that tape was worn out. I know everything about Todd Ewan. Yeah. There's no there's like there's no there's not many guys nowadays no. who like when they step on the ice, they're out there to kill you. Like yeah. maybe, maybe Ryan Reeves, but I don't even think like, I still think he's out there to play hockey. Like he's, he's not a bad player, but like if he gets mad, like he'll, yeah. Well, he'll he's a great player against us. Yeah. 
We say he's actually not like if that's the toughest guy in the NHL right now, like compared to <laughs> like the past. Like he's still a decent hockey player. Like he'll be able to stick around. I, mean, I know the Penguins. I think it were they paid him like a ridiculous amount of money to be that guy, but still like. He is a decent hockey player. There isn't any guy out there, I think, now that when they step on the ice, their sole purpose is out there is to just yeah destroy the best player or be right. able to defend their team. Like like Nick Delore has fought more than anybody, but I don't even think I would call him that player. I think he's no. ready to go, but like he's not out there trying to like if you if you talk to any of like the enforcers from back in the day, they'll say, you know, the moment they stepped on the ice, they were weren't out there to score goals. They were or to mm. play hockey. They were out there to kind of look for somebody important to hit on the other team or they're looking to fight the other guy's tough guy. Like that's what they're doing. I don't think anybody does that at that level anymore. Yeah. No one's going out for fights unless it kind of warrants it. But I think that's a really cool thing for your, for forever mighty to do though, uh, a podcast ranking or a <laughs> tournament ranking the top ducks fighters and tell me content. why Here yeah, we go. Tell, tell me how George Paris isn't going to win it. I will tell you Stu Grimson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easily. We already know. <laughs> like, this was a great, this is a great idea, but we already know the number one. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. You're, you're not tuning in to find out who's the best. You're turning tuning in to find out the rest. Like, we yes. all know Stu Grimson is number one. But, yes. hey, we need content. After today's yeah. show, we still have to try and figure out how to pump out at least a show every week. And uh, with no hockey, we need uh, we need some content. We need something to talk about. Pat was saying we should. Suit. Yeah. What does Pat, Pat was, say? Pat was saying we should go back and uh, review the uh, the Stanley Cup games, the 2007 Stanley Cup run. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so in on that. That's great. great. I, I like that idea. I haven't watched them in a long time. Um, they used to be on NHL. You know what? Like NHL TV. They yeah, they would play game seven before. all the time. But like on their actual website version of the app, they mm. had like archived games. And for yes. the longest time, they had all five games or all six games from that series. Um, and then they they slowly removed game after game after game after game until all they had was the final game. And then they removed that too. And I haven't had right. I haven't had Game Center or whatever it's called now in a long time, but uh, there is definitely. I think they have a DVD now. We can just go and find, but we definitely have to do that because yeah. I watch those games. Oh, that would be fun. I'd be into that. Those Sens teams too. Like looking back at it, like that team was disgusting. That first line of Spezza, yeah. Heatley, and Alfredson. Like I don't know how the Ducks beat them. Like the Ducks' offense wasn't that great. Like it was good and team. No, was no, no. The but but... Jagger. Jagera stood on his head a lot of those, and he didn't even even feel like he was standing on his head. He was just was in a great position the whole time. Uh, I do I I miss I I would always watch Game Seven when it was on NHL Live or NHL TV or whatever it is now. Yeah. Uh, it would, it just brings up that great nostalgia. I was probably like what, 18, 19 when I when we won the cup for the first well, only time, and uh, yeah, it's still really good looking back. So I think that's a great idea, Pat. I have to, and it, uh, we wanted Pat to be here today, but he he's risking the virus out bowling. Yeah. Right so he's, which I'm surprised we were talking about this off the show. I'm surprised it was still open because <laughs> I, I thought all those places would be closed. But we, yeah, we need something to do. I mean, we need to go back and review those games. I was uh, listening to Spit and Chicklets the other day, and Pronger was, I think Pronger was on it. He was talking about like the 07 
Ducks team and, and the stuff that went on with that team and his relationship with Randy Carlisle. And they briefly talked about, I think it's on their YouTube too, but like just hearing those stories from Prager just kind of brings you back yeah. to just how unbelievably good that team was. And, and he talked about Scotty and, and Scotty's mm-hmm. work ethic and everything. And like that team just had like the perfect, the perfect build. Like that's how you build the championship team. Like you have guys like gets and Perry on entry level contracts in that series. And, you know, Dustin Penner, I think was also on an entry level contract. Yeah. And you've got Tamu who put up like a hundred points, hundred plus points that season after coming back. And, you know, then you bring in two of the best defensemen of all time and, and Scotty and, and prongs. And you just kind of build out the rest of that lineup with, reliable good two-way guys like Andy McDonald and Sammy Paulson and like that is one of the, it has to be one of the best teams of like the 2000s when you look at who was on that team and how they yeah. put that team together like I don't think there are many other Stanley Cup teams who could have beat that 07 Ducks team. Like I agree I agree and full circle if it wasn't for having Paulson Niedermeyer and Moen on a line who knows how far that team would have gone right yeah, yeah. And, and you know you like I think as Ducks fans, we we know how important that line is. But yeah, like anybody on the outside looking in, you go back and yeah, Samuel Paulson. That, you're probably like, <laughs> what was that? How was that line effective? Like you're probably looking like yeah. Robbie Niedermeyer was here because Scotty was here, but it's actually the other way around. Like the right. only way the Ducks got Scotty is because Robbie was already here, and yep. and you know that that's like one all time play move too. By who's was it? Brian Burke? Yeah, it was Brian Burke. Yeah, it's Brian Burke. Like to bring. Rob Niedermeyer in pretty much to get to make sure Scott comes to the team and and is a part of it. Like that is an all time. And that's such a Brian Burke move to make those trades too. Like he, he, he doesn't go down. I think as one of the best GMs ever, but he would, he had the balls to pull off any move. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but go, go and look up if you can, the, the moves and what Brian Burke had to do to pull off, to get the second and third overall picks to draft Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Like the moves that that guy had to make and pull off and trading first round picks. I think they have the first overall pick and trading those and, and then just like hoping that nobody took Henrik and Daniel number one, like to pull off all those moves to get that done. Like he had the balls to get literally anything done, which was, which is unreal. I, I Again, he's had some bad trades in the past, yeah. but like just to do those types of moves to bring Robbie in, to get Scotty and, and to do all that, like to get prongs, like yeah. he was not afraid of pulling those moves off. Yeah, him getting pronger, that was the icing on the cake. That's yeah. that's what put this team over. And I know a lot of people are probably going to hate on Brian Burke. But a lot of people do hate Brian Burke. Uh, but from what – I mean, I still listen to Hockey Central. I know he's still old-time hockey. I know he's, you know, he he's not in, in favor of, like, oh, the Shvetsnikov or the quote-unquote yeah. lacrosse goal. But he knows hockey, and he knows how to build a team. And he built a great team back then, and it's – it kind of makes me miss uh, having a GM that will. <laughs> now I'm not saying anything bad about good Bob, but you know, and we we've got maybe two more years <laughs> left of Bob. I don't know, one more year yeah. left of Bob. I think his contract is is over. Right, fingers same, crossed. Same year as the Seattle Seattle expansion draft, so that might be the last uh, last time he gets a grip on on doing anything anything for the Ducks. On the last note for this Brian Burke thing, I don't know if you saw this either, but there were some comments he made. I think when he talked to the Spit and Chicklets guys, where Apparently he like had almost pulled off a move to get Keith Kachuk from really? the Coyotes, yeah, for from the Coyotes for uh, for that O three Cup run, wow. where it came down to like a million dollars extra that the owners would have to pay and they didn't pay it, 
but we also could have had like Keith Kachuk yeah. for that cup run, which would have been unreal. Like they, they were yeah. already such a good team to begin with, but like yeah. add add Keith Kachuk and I know he's a bit older at the time too, but add Well him put him with maybe. put him with Paul Korea. Paul Korea probably wouldn't have gotten laid out. Yeah, I exactly. Like I could I could only imagine them together and then if he had to stuck yeah. around for that 07 cup run too, like that would have been yeah. been unbelievable. But I, I and I love the Samuelis. I think they've done yeah. a great job for a million dollars. Like They've changed their ways now, but I'm not surprised that. Did they own the team in 03, though? Did they? No. I don't know. They they, they bought the team out after the lockout, I believe. Or during the lockout. It was Disney who who messed that one. Yeah. Which I guess is also not surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you, Eisner. uh, Anyway, last last topic of the show. We talked about this briefly, I think, at the beginning. Kiefer Sherwood put on waivers. I think in season it'd be a slightly surprising that the Ducks would kind of risk him going. I don't know if anybody would claim him. Just it's kind of the timing of it. Like with everything yeah. going on, they felt the need to put him on waivers now. Like maybe they're like, oh, nobody's looking. We'll kind of slip him down and put him on waivers. And then Pierre LeBron tweets it out. So now everybody knows about it. But it is uh, it is an interesting move and weird timing to kind of send him on waivers at this point. Yeah, that's kind of weird that Pierre LeBron would uh, an, an announced a, a Ducks a Duck being on waivers. That's yeah. kind of strange, right? Is is Kiefer Sherwood like is he that high end real estate? He's a great player, he does great things. Uh, are NHL teams really looking at him though like that? I don't think so. I think when when you have no news, any news, is news. <laughs> the, the, so yeah. <laughs> like Pierre LeBron is probably just like scouring the waiver list, and then he's like, oh, so, like he gets a notification, something came through, and he's like, all right, that's <laughs> I don't care. It, it could be anybody. It could be Nick Delory. I'm gonna throw this up there. Like this yeah. is news. The, this we'll be talking about this on TSN for the next few days to have any <laughs> content. He was like, there's been nothing. Like I didn't think anything would happen. Of course, it, it, it's the Ducks who end up doing something like this. Yeah. Um, I'd be good interested. old Keeper Sherwood. He's going to be the yeah. star of the, the, the lockout or pause or whatever you want to yeah. call it. He, he's, he's <laughs> the only one to get things going. And then whatever team, if, if someone does claim him, I don't think he gets claimed. No, uh, he's a good player and I like him as a player, but he had 1.10 games and yeah. I can't see any other teams outside of the organization that haven't seen him play. And, mm-hmm. and at, at the same level that maybe the ducks have, and, and we have as fans be super interested in bringing that in. Yeah. Maybe maybe Columbus because they have his brother and maybe it's just. Uh, I was thinking Columbus because he's a hometown boy out there too. And they got tons of injuries, so yeah, like, like maybe it's just. Uh, I mean, I I hope not because I like Keith for Sherwood. Yeah, I think he's a he's a nice kind of bottom six guy to have as an energy guy and a, and a good penalty killer. But uh, he reminds me a lot of Cogliano in, in a lot of ways and of what he brings and the energy. I so. thought the same thing too, especially uh, he was a Cogliano that could shoot the puck, but we haven't been able to see him shoot the puck. Yeah. Well, he was, and then he also yeah. had a couple breakaways where he didn't score, and then he reminded me a too. lot more of Conk. <laughs> <after that, laughs> That's so. true too. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, I think that obviously the goal is they want to send him back down to San Diego. The mm-hmm. weird thing is, like, you're sending him down now. We don't know when you're going to play again. Uh, if he does get claimed, or even if he doesn't, you have an open roster spot on the Ducks. I don't think the Ducks had any hurt forwards. I think it was just all defensemen who were hurt and the Agazino was just scratched so yeah i believe because it's just fowler and lindholm i think are hurt i yeah I, Fowler, lindholm good branson are all yeah. hurt i don't remember the Agazino. i knew uh that night uh i remember Agazino being projected to play yeah. and then bacchus ended up playing i don't I remember seeing Agazino. scratch i think he's he might have been because he's yeah. been he's been bouncing in and out with bacchus but i would mm-hmm. like 
I, I would, it, it's just a weird move. Like somebody had brought out, like maybe they're making room, a roster room for Trevor Zegras. Like, I was, I was going to suggest that while, while you're mentioning an open spot, I was mm-hmm. going to suggest maybe a free spot for Zegras to pop in. It, it could be. And, and that would make sense why they're doing it now is, you know, roster wise, you have to, uh, if, and, and if he's signing a contract this season, to sign that contract and to be assigned to the Ducks roster, they need a spot open to do that. Yeah. With. And right. th- if they had Keith for Sherwood on the roster, they don't. So like there has to be a reasoning behind this move and making it now, because if, if there isn't like, why would you not just wait until all this blows over and to make a move? It's not like right. players can go practice. It's not like they can, you know, go work out with the team. It's not like you can send them down to San Diego and he can go with, you know, meet with all the players and, and skate and anything. So like the timing is just weird. So it has to yeah. it has to be for a reason, I would hope. Like maybe Bob Murray's just doing it because he's bored and he wants something to do. But <laughs> I, I would have to think like it it has to be for a hockey reason that they decided to send him down on waivers now and then assign him to San Diego so that they could sign a player and bring them into the lineup. And the only one they can sign and bring into the lineup is Trevor Zegras. Yeah, I, I that's all I could really imagine why this is happening. Because why, uh, Why? I mean, yeah, it, we could potentially lose Key for Sherwood. Yeah. Who knows? The kid still has potential. He's a good maybe, bottom six player, I think, is, yeah. if, he, if he hits his potential. But also maybe new scenery will be good for him. He's been with the system for a long yeah. time. Yeah, and, and, and Bob Murray's been a big proponent of new scenery. Uh, he used yeah. that a lot at the Hot Stove event in terms of Nick Ritchie yeah. and Andre Kasia and Sonny Milano and Danton Heinen. So he, he's a, a new scenery type of guy. So Yeah, that new cool. scenery has really helped Kasia, right? Or is that too soon? Yeah. It hasn't helped either of them. Nick Ritchie scored, like oh. I think, in the second game, and then he didn't look yeah. that great after that. Well, new Kasha's scenery hurt. has helped the Ducks players, yeah. though. Exactly. Kasha's hurt again. I mean. Yeah, I, was, I feel bad for the guy because I like I, him. I like him too, but I thought when he got traded, I'm like, I fine. He's going to, and I, I feel bad. I was like, he's going to get hurt in his first couple of games. And then he ends up getting hurt. It's, yeah. it's just poor luck on him. Yeah. And he's just one of those guys. There there's players throughout history. Paul Korea was one of them. They just mm-hmm. get hurt. Can't and I know Paul Korea w- was still a dynamic player when he was playing. Um, and cash has been a bit inconsistent. So I think like, Again, I loved Andre Cash, and I felt like if he ever could hit his potential, he's definitely a 25-30 goal scorer. Right. But how long do you wait and say if, 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 if he can hit his potential? Yeah. And, you know, the Ducks are looking at it. You get a first-round pick in a deep draft. You get a right-shot defensive prospect, and you bring back a guy who can plug in the lineup in David Backus, and that's all you have to give up to, to you know, is this just Andre Cash, a guy who you, you think could be a good player, but – He's just been riddled with injuries and ha- has been inconsistent mm-hmm. this year when in the lineup. Like you go out, I think you take that any day of the week when you don't know what this guy is going to turn out to be. Because actually, yeah. it would get to a point where he's he's untradeable if he just keeps getting injured and doesn't play well. And then at that point, you either let him go or you get like a you know a late pick for him, a fifth right. or fourth round pick. And you know the value. I don't think the value is at a, the highest point it's ever been for Kasha. But if you're getting a first and a prospect, it's still at a very very high point when you look at you know a player a well-established player like uh, Jason Zucker who went to Pittsburgh and got them a first round pick uh, a little better of a prospect and then a roster player in Alice Galchenyuk like they they pretty much got the same thing for Andre Kasha yet Jason Zucker is a well well more established player than than Andre Kasha is right 
Well, I mean, Bacchus hasn't been too bad for us. He hasn't played as many games as Kasha. Well, actually, he probably has. But he hasn't been able to start as many games as I think he probably should have started. But this trade deadline has really helped this team. And like I said earlier, I would have loved to see this team at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. just, just thrown together. Yeah, and, and then you you look at guys in San Diego like Maxime Comtois who yeah. have started to heat up and, and hopefully – you know, he makes that step next year and, and Troy Terry gets better and we're all waiting for Sam Steele and Max Jones mm-hmm. to kind of take another level up. But, you know, with Trevor Zegras coming in, you finally, you know, this team's always had good prospects and good players. Right. But you haven't had the guys, like the elite level talent coming in. Yeah. You've got one in Trevor Zegras and you're hopefully going to get another with this draft and get a top five, top eight pick. You're, you're going to get one of those guys that you compare with him. You're, you know, they're well on their way to being a very, very good team, a competitive team in, in probably one or two years, maybe three at most, where you, you kind of bring all these good pieces together, like the Steels, the Jones, Terry, and then you, you kind of inject these elite level players like Zegris and whoever they get this right. year into the mix. And then maybe you start plugging in holes at free agency and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a very good team. And then, you know, John Gibson and that you've already kind of got a... A, a franchise piece there and, and then yeah. from there it, it's a pretty easy plug and plug and play and in terms of where you want to put guys after that yeah just put the defense around gibson and we'll yeah. be fine yeah yeah and, and people have been bummed because of the year he's had this year but i think yeah it's not necessarily all his fault though i mean no. he yeah he has put up some stinkers he gives up he's been giving up quite a bit more rebounds but he, he also you have to have a defense that could sweep those de- those uh, rebounds away well, look what he did last year. Like he yeah. was for up until February, he was clearly the best goaltender in the league. He was going to win the Vesna, and the team wasn't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and and it's just fatigue. Like I I don't I don't know if you saw that article last year, but Eric Stevens put an article where they said they literally like he was so fatigued, like he had lost weight. Yeah, like that is. I don't know how as a team you let it get to that point, but that takes a long time to kind of recover from that. I think physically and mentally, and you go into a season after where you had to do that all last year. It's tough to follow that up with a, with another kind of Vesna type season the year after. So I think he's fine. He's, I I still think he's a top five goaltender in this league. And once the ducks are a better team in front of him, he'll easily be a Vesna candidate at some point. I agree with that. All right. Last bit of the show here, we're pushing over an hour 15, which is, I guess, not a bad thing. But (laughs) uh, we had a couple fan questions that came in. Uh, We already answered this one, but Garrett asked, why did Sherwood have to go through waivers? I don't know why he had to, but he did. And we'll find out what uh, the outcome of that is tomorrow. Um, Duncan said, what would your ideal situation be for the rest of the season? Uh, What is the worst case scenario? How do you think the NHL should restructure the draft? So we've kind of answered the first bit for that one. But on that last question, when it comes to the draft, because it affects the Ducks, how do you think the the NHL should restructure the draft if if they're going to do anything at all? Are we talking just with the lottery or are we talking about the draft itself? Because I, 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 I feel like I feel like I feel like I feel like they're going to have to push everything back no matter what. Like mm-hmm. I know the lottery is scheduled for what April. 9th. It's going to be scheduled yeah. for well, yeah, game one of the playoffs. That. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I feel I feel like that all that stuff is going to be moved and it, that stuff like the draft stuff that will just go as planned just on different dates. The one thing that we have to worry about is how the season's going to play out. Like how are these how the how the how are these games going to uh, kind of uh, 
just how, how are they going to affect the playoffs? How, what are they going to do? It's, it's, it, I don't think the draft is really going to be hurt in that. I guess maybe in some ways uh, it could, if they have to postpone the draft or, I think, or if you have more teams in the playoffs like that. Yeah. It's a bunch of issues, right? Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard because I feel like the season's more affected than the draft is right now. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. But I think as as Ducks fans, we're definitely more worried about the draft than than the Do you do you today. think do you think that this team just pulls out like nine straight wins and just like we're going to end I up just getting another about it. Right, you know what huh? I mean? Like I think any team has the potential to get hot. Like the Kings are on a yeah. seven game winning streak and, and yeah. I mean, the Kings are 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 a worse team than the Ducks They're are. They're garbage. They are, but it, it, Jonathan Quick got hot. I think John Gibson definitely has the potential to get yeah. that. Even Ryan Miller does to get hot for you know a, a seven or seven to ten game stretch. And yeah. the, the Ducks have enough talent in the roster. You look at Silverberg and Raquel were getting hot. Henrique, the way mm-hmm. he's been playing, like there's definitely a chance. Like if they go up against you know not some of the best teams in the league, but you know some of those borderline teams like Dallas or whatever, mm-hmm. that they could rattle off some wins. And if it was a 31 team playoff structure, or 24 or whatever, and the Ducks found their way into that. I think they could easily, you know, get hot and, and, and make their way through a couple rounds. Eventually they yeah. would lose out. But then you go from having a top five pick or a top ten pick to, you know, a fifteen to twenty pick and in a year that was a year you were not supposed to make the playoffs, that hurts you. So I think the NHL, right. as much as, as the playoffs matter, they also have to take into consideration the draft as well. And and you know, if I as a Ducks fan and, and as a team, I think that really needs that top five pick. Uh, I think any playoff structure hopefully does not include the Ducks in that playoff structure, right. and that uh, they get to keep that pick. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at the final schedule or the schedule that we have left, and the only team that might. I mean, you have Calgary, you have Edmonton two nights, um, but the only team that really like we probably won't win is against Boston. Yeah. Like we have LA coming up, we have Montreal, we have. Boston, we have Vancouver twice, we have Edmonton twice, we have Calgary, we have Dallas, we have LA, and we have San Jose. We could definitely win at least a good percentage of those yeah. games, if not all of them. I mean, who knows? Pasternak could be off one night. <laughs> or benched. Low yeah, or benched. Yeah, something. who knows? Exactly. But yeah, it's it's tough. Like, I mean, if we go through and we have to play all 82 games, we have to play all 82 games, I think that's a fair way to do it. If, if the Ducks end up winning games... And they get to a point where, you know, they just played well. They're playing well lately. They played themselves out of a, a top five pick, and yeah. San Jose played their way into a top five right. pick. So that could have happened no Good matter what. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I agree. Not I agree. Either. It's the Sens pick, so play, <laughs> they're not really playing their way in anything. They're getting another top five pick for the Sens. But yeah, oh, I, I just, I, I mean, of course, I would love it to end here, and the Ducks would have the six best odds at, at getting yeah. the first overall pick. Um, but if it came down to it, as long as they can't make a long playoff run, that's what I'm saying. Like, as long as there's not a weird playoff structure that gets put in place that all of a sudden puts the ducks into this weird new playoff structure. And then they make a run through the first two rounds and completely eliminate their, their chances at a a better draft pick because they got hot at the wrong time. Cause you know, they're not going to tank it and be like, Oh, we're going to, we're just going to lose the first round on purpose to get a good draft pick. I'm sure Bob Murray would like that, but I know that the players aren't going to do that. This is the worst team at right now. It's the worst team at making the playoffs. It's also the worst team at tanking. Yeah. Cause yeah. we did that last year too. We got hot near the end of the year too. 
Yeah, and, and it always seems to coincide with the trade deadline and move, yeah. I mean, moving guys out or bringing guys in. And, and all of a sudden, this new injection of players or this just kind of change just boosts this team and, and gets them moving. Yeah, I agree. Well, hopefully uh, the season gets started soon because <sighs> I miss hockey. I, I do. I, it's such a weird feeling. To, to I'm going to go back and watch old winter classics because that's yeah. what I do during the off season. So uh, that's just what I'm going to do for the next couple Some of weeks. Some people have been putting NHL 20 on and just simming the rest of the season and watching uh, the two computer teams play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have NHL 20, so I'll just do it on NHL 19. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> um, another draft question. Um, okay. So we can we can word it two different ways. I'm not sure uh, in terms of certain players for the draft if if you know some of the names for the players. I always never know because I know Jason knows none of them. So <laughs> I was just not too sure. But question was if Jamie Drysdale is available, do you want to take him or draft an offensive minded forward? So in terms of Jamie Drysdale, he's a, a right handed offensive defenseman who plays uh, in the OHL. He's a potential top ten pick. He's the best defenseman in the draft. Would you, if he was available, let's say the Ducks have the sixth pick, do you take a shooter, an offensive-minded forward, or would you take an offensive defenseman right shot guy? Because the Ducks need both. Uh, it depends. Uh, I've always, I've always been, and I know I've heard, I think I've heard Brian Burke talk about this. Um, when it comes to the draft, a lot of times you are going to have your needs, but when there's a player up there, it's like forget the needs, let's get that player. Yeah. Um, this team though does need a right-handed shot, especially a forward-minded shot. Um, I know Fowler's done his best to be able to put himself in positions to score goals a lot more this season than normal. But, you know, we need a right-handed shot to do that. We don't just need that left-handed shot. We need to put someone on on that dot that could at least pull off one-timers. And if Drysdale could pull off one-timers, then, yeah, yeah get him. Uh, whether he's ranked higher or lower than whoever's going to be available – uh, I think this team definitely does need that right-handed shot for sure right now. I'm I'm just always wary of defensemen, and maybe it's just kind of looking I, yeah. at teams in the past, right? Like you look at look at some of the top drafted defensemen, and and their impact on the team overall versus like a a thirty to forty goal scorer like mm-hmm. Aaron Ekblad in, in Florida first overall pick. He's not a bad player, but is he driving the way things go for Florida? No, it's it's That's true. And, and Barkov who are also That's true first overall picks in, in their own right. I think Barkov was the third, but either way, mm-hmm. like you look at, you know, Quinn Hughes, great player, Kale Makar, great mm-hmm. players, but are they the real reason that team's winning? No, it's Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. Right, and right, right. And Ranton in. And, you know, I, I think, I think you can get that right shot defenseman, maybe not at the same level as maybe, you know, whatever Jamie dry still turns out to be. But I think you can get that player a different way, whether it be later in the draft where you get a similar player, maybe not at the elite level, but a player who can still be a role piece or through free agency or something like that. Do you think that this team needs more scoring or do you think it needs more defense? Because I'm on the fence. I think think it's both. Definitely it's both. Mm -hmm. But I think – this the one thing this team's desperately lacking is a a just a pure goal score. Right. I, I think Ricard Raquel, when he gets back to it, he's a very good goal scorer, but he's not a pure goal scorer. Like he he's a yeah. creative player. And 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 mm-hmm. I think do I think he's a consistent thirty goal scorer? No, I think he was put in that position on a good team to be that goal scorer because the Ducks <laughs> didn't have I one. And, I I feel like Raquel's a tad. It's a hot hot take, but I feel yeah. Raquel's quite overrated. 
I, I for think what he a, gets. I think he could be a 50 to 60 point player on a good team mm-hmm. with good line mates, with what kind of compliments his style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and more so a twenty a twenty goal thirty to forty assist guy. I think that's more where I see him. I never ever saw him as a thirty goal guy. And he did it back to back years, which I'm still uh, insanely surprised that he was able. But those to are do that. those are playoff teams, though, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like what, was fifteen and and sixteen or yeah, uh, it would have been. This was eighteen nine. This was nineteen twenty eighteen nineteen. So seventeen eighteen and sixteen seventeen. Okay, he had. Yeah. 30 goal years, 31, 30. So, I mean, he, I think he has like the skill level to get back to that. Like, I feel, I don't think he could ever, like, I don't think there's any reason to say he couldn't hit that again, but he needs to be the right circumstances with the right, right. players. I, I think, right. you know, the reason he hit that is he was playing with Getzlaff and Getzlaff is a passer. So then right. Ricard Raquel was forced to be the go-to goal scorer on that, that line and, and that was the line that was kind of driving play. And then they also got sheltered because you had Kessler, Coglan on Silver. Right. That's true. Literally just taking every defensive shift out there. Right. And you don't have that this year. And Raquel's been put on a line with Henrique where sometimes his line has had to be that defensive shutdown line. And it, it just I, you know, he he doesn't do things on his on his own. So I think yes, the Ducks need a defenseman. Yeah, yes, they need an offensive defenseman because Brandon Montour didn't turn out to be that for them. Yeah. But primarily more than anything i think they need a guy who can score 30 to 40 goals every year and that's yeah. hard to find there's not too many guys who out in the league who do that but if you look at what's harder to find in free agency a consistent 30 to 40 goal score or a pretty good offensive right shot defenseman like a top four it is way harder to find a 30 to 40 goal score especially at a price that's going to be comfortable for you um and, and i think when you look at the top end of this draft there's so many good shooters that you just mm-hmm. have to you just have to go shooter, and and I don't even think you're going for need at that point. Like I think most of the shooters are just the best players available at that that right. part of the draft too. So yeah, I, and it's someone that could Zegers could play with. We could have another we could have another Getzoff Perry combination yeah. that will last us at least another decade. So well, yeah, just, I agree. I agree with you. A completely another high skill level. Like we yeah, we've yeah. been talking about people been talking about Alexander Holtz in, in the in the chat, and and he's potentially the best pure goal scorer of this draft, whether that turns out to be, you know, in comparison to guys like line a and recent guys that have been drafted that have been pure shooters out of the draft remains to be seen. It's supposed to be a deep draft, but even if this guy just comes in and he has a pure NHL shot and it can be a 30 goal score without with just by himself. And then you pair him with a guy like Trevor Zegras who could find you through, Mm -hmm. you know, three, three sets of feet and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. four or five sticks, all of a sudden that you become a th- from a 30 goal score, just the potential to like a 40 or 50 goal score because right. you're playing with that guy. And, and I think when you already have that piece in your system, who has the potential for a long time to be one of the best passers in the league and, and not just best passers at a simple sense, like, an, an extremely high elite level of skill passer where you can make like spin a rammer passes and backhand passes and, you know, through three sets of feet and whatnot, like you need somebody who's going to finish those off and, right. and and make those plays on their own. I think, I think the ducks need to need to go get that guy a hundred percent. They need a shooter or something like that. I agree with that. And that's why you go for whoever's ranked higher sometimes yeah. over the knees. That's I mean, that was what Brian, Brian Burke would do. Yeah. What would the, Martin Madden's always said they go for the best player available, at yeah. least at least early on in their first couple picks, and right. and then I think based off best player available at one, you then have a pick whoever Boston's lands. But 
you know, whether it's 31 or wherever, then, then you kind of can pick based on needs with that later first round pick and instead, right. of, instead of the first. So if you go shooter first and that was the best guy available, maybe then you go defense with that second pick and you, you choose that based on needs. And I think that's, that's the luxury and the benefit of having that second first mm-hmm. is it takes all the pressure off that first, first round pick where right. you just pick the best guy available there. And then you go and, and do whatever you want with uh, needs based with that second pick. I agree with that. Uh, second, or I guess last question we had here was from Instagram. Uh, should we rest Gibson and let Stolars and Miller play the rest of the year? I was actually going to ask you this because I'm not, I'm not in favor of that. I think Gibson should play out. Uh, yeah. but Miller has been really good this year. And I think it's good to have Stolars, especially if Stolars is going to be the guy that takes over if I'm uh, good to give him also, uh, but also he fits with San Diego right now. And if San Diego's in a playoff position, then you got to keep him down there. So why not just keep Gibson playing? Yeah, I I think I have kind of two thought processes with this. I think you don't mm-hmm. bring Gibson back early by any means. You know, it's a growing. Injury. I agree with that definitely. Yeah. It's a growing injury. You want to as a goaltender, you want to make sure he's 100 percent ready to go and. Especially because he's had those issues before. Yeah, right. And we look at yeah. guys like Jonathan Quick and, and other guys who have struggled mm-hmm. with brain injuries because they've maybe come back a bit too early on, on competitive teams. Right. And it's it's been a a reoccurring process for them. But I, I think, you know, when Gibby's ready to come back, which I think he is because I believe Stolarz got sent down right before, right before uh, this all went down. That might have just yeah. been for the time being for Stolars to get AHL time and then all of this went down, who knows? But I think by the time we get back to playing hockey, Gibson's probably healthy. So probably, you know, yeah. all this kind of goes out the window. But I, I think even if it comes down to it, if it's Miller gets a few more starts than he normally would have and you kind of rest uh, Gibson, and you know, Miller's not just getting back-to-backs. He's getting yeah. you know, a, a, a few extra starts here and there. Maybe they just split starts for the rest of the year. I think there's, there's benefit to doing that where – you don't need to play Gibson every game he can possibly play for the rest of the year. It's a lost season, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's benefit to giving him rest and, and maybe picking his picking and choosing his starts that so that he has the best chance to win those games. And, and you know, whether it's historical stats against certain teams where he's done well or just, you know, a feel of, of what team, you know, some of the maybe not so elite teams in this league you kind of throw him in there and just confidence boosters and, and having him finish the season strong i think leads and, and bodes well into next year right and depending on how they redo the schedule we only have one back-to-back scheduled right now and that's la and san jose uh i think i think keeping gibson off the ice if it's too soon yeah just keep him off the ice but yeah. if he's ready I mean, and ready, ready, especially if we're going to have this break and he's able to get ready. Fowler's able to get back. Like you have to play those guys. You have to play those guys, no matter whether you're going to try to tank it or you want to win games. Like they're, they're your players. You got to play them. Yeah, you have to. And, and I mean, by the time we get back, depending if we get back at all, I mean, everybody could be healthy by then. Yeah, exactly. Fowler and Goodbranson were pretty much close to coming back. Mm -hmm. I think it was only Lindholm who was potentially, done for the season as they were saying but now the season isn't the, the regular season anymore right. so Lindholm could be back and right. I th- this, this benefits a lot of teams I mean some teams would love the season just go fully healthy teams but you look at you know Tampa Bay with Stamp goes out for a couple of weeks right. we're looking at this and saying 
this is kind of a benefit to us because mm-hmm. we're going to have more time for Stamkos to get back and then be healthy. And if this pushes a couple months down the road, we've got a fully healthy team. And and he'll he'll have a few games before the playoffs, so he could get his feet under yeah. or his legs under him before the playoffs yeah. even start. Well, even yeah, and even if it goes into playoffs, the NHL had already come out and said that like they'll have at least skating time and, and time yeah. beforehand and a mini cam too. And, yeah, to get everything going. So you know, teams like that that are in playoff spots that have injuries and, and have guys that have kind of went down. I mean, the one that comes to mind is Colorado is loving this. Mm-hmm. They are, they're yeah. loving this because Kadri and Rotten were kind of skating, no contact jerseys. McKinnon was down for one to two weeks. McCarr is just coming back from injury. Like Colorado and Grubauer too. Like Colorado's absolutely loving this right now that yeah. they have all this extra time for these guys to get back, for nobody else to get injured in the meantime, and then for them to be fully healthy and, and be a just a just roll out the cup for them. Just roll yeah. the cup for them. It's I, mean, <laughs> might as well. they, I thought they were done with all yeah. the injuries. Like there's always one team every year, and the Ducks are usually in that mix of like the most injuries and, and yeah. how they impact and, and, and Columbus has been really bad this year, but the fact that Rontanen's been out long term and McKinnon just got injured, Landis Cog was out, Kadri's been out, Makar's been out. Like those are arguably all their top players. And yeah. then you throw in the goaltender also got hurt for weeks, and you had to throw in the backup for for a stretch there. Like that is to overcome that, still be a top team in the Western. Yeah, Conference. A, a backup goaltender who's been good. Yeah, and it, he's first year in the NHL. Yeah, over from the Czech Republic, he's played his entire career over there. Comes over to the NHL and, and has looked. I mean, lately he struggled, but he's looked good pretty much all year. Well, even in his shutout against us, like he looked shaky on a lot of those saves, yeah. but he still made those saves. Yeah, and he has that I, defense to get the, the he has a defense to bail him out. Something we don't have right now. Yeah, they're 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 a scary team if if everything kind of goes the way I think they hope it does, where they've got enough yeah. time to get all these guys back, and and then you roll into the playoffs. You know, we always talk about guys coming back from injury being like. Uh, makeshift trade deadline acquisitions and you mm. bring all bring all these guys in the lineup uh, at the same time uh, and, and teams haven't seen them for a while that that makes for a dangerous mix for a team like Colorado right. going to the playoffs I hear that all right. we are we went long so we definitely we have to get going which isn't a bad thing which is great yeah. uh, appreciate you coming on the show Keith and joining the yeah team. no problem it's yeah been, this is this is fun. fun yeah we're, uh, we'll definitely have you back uh, as, as often as we can because we have a show coming up here and, and knowing knowing how – everybody knows how uh, how poor we are with scheduling uh, <laughs> we are with shows. So we will definitely have, I have you a, back. I have a lot of free time now. We all do, yeah. <laughs> and we have to find ways to fill the show. So we need yeah. – we got four minds thinking about different ways to fill the show. And we'll see what we're going to do for the next show. Yeah. I think Matt's idea – of kind of looking back at that 07 series is this maybe the direction we're going to go, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all talk about this in the meantime and figure it out. Uh, but yeah, anyway, thanks for, for checking out the show guys. We'll be no back. Problem. What? Oh man. What's the date today? Say Sunday. Yes. Okay, <laughs> we'll be back. I believe mid, so. Mid midweek next week, likely with the show. We have to figure out our schedule because we were back to post game shows, and then now. I think we're going to try and do one or two a week. So we'll, you know, stay tuned to our social media and we'll let you guys know when, uh, when we're going to go live. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, Keith, for coming on and uh, we'll see you guys uh, hopefully next week. Later guys.